The uh, Super Bowl, contrary to popular opinion, is not the most watched sporting event in the world. It's number five, I believe. The Winter and Summer Olympics are four and three. Number one is the World Cup, and that doesn't surprise me because of the soccer global dominance. It is the most watched event in America, for sure, and I believe even North America, because Mexico does love the World Cup. There's obviously a lot of Americans that watch. Number two surprised me. It's the International Cricket Championship. Cricket, that, that weird game they play with a ball, like a paddleboard or whatever, you know? And that's number two. However, the Super Bowl may be one of the most expensive ones. It's $7 million right now for a 30-second ad. For 30 seconds, your company's going to fork out $7 million to advertise tonight. And if it's a minute, just do the math. It's $14 million and so on. 200.5 million of the 350-some-odd million Americans will watch the game tonight, so two-thirds. They'll consume 11.2 million pounds of potato chips tonight, 8 million pounds of guac, 8.2 million pounds of tortilla chips, 1.4 billion chicken wings, 12.5 million pizzas. I have a question. How come they never say how much broccoli and cauliflower and carrots will be eaten tonight? <laughs> Seems like the New Year's resolution gets suspended on Super Bowl night. Not in the Dignan household. We're eating healthy tonight, aren't we, Dignans? More healthy than that. Yeah. All right. But, uh, and here's the amazing stats. Here's some of the amazing stats. The Super Bowl tickets this year, the cheapest ticket for the game tonight is $5,434. The most expensive is $34,862. Unless you're going to go into the VIP room, which starts at $50,000 for a seat in the VIP room. The average cost is $9,850 for a Super Bowl ticket. If you and a family of four, let's say a family of four were to leave Friday morning and fly from Kansas City to Las Vegas and, and they would uh, spend Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night and then fly back home Monday, get four tickets, decent tickets, they said, not not the more expensive ones, like the more the cheaper end, um, plus the restaurants and the hotel, you'll spend $36,000 this weekend for a family of four to go and watch the Super Bowl. It's insane, isn't it? And yet, just for fun tonight, today, can anybody tell me who won the Super Bowl in 1989? Maybe there's always someone in the crowd. The Niners did? Are you sure of that, Brother Jim? Okay. Jim Mayer answering it does not surprise me, so that's, that's okay. What about 1993, brother? That's probably the Cowboys. No, I better not ask 1993. One person out of this good-sized crowd remembers who won the Super Bowl. Who won the MVP of the Super Bowl in 1994? I don't even know. I'm just throwing out a random number, you know? So Tom Brady was not playing yet, Austin. <laughs> that is a good guess, but Tom Brady was still, I think, 1994. He was my, Tom Brady and I are the same age. Did you just Google it? Steve Young, okay. All right, you two get cookies after church today, and you get a cookie too after church today. Right. By the way, I, I, I decided to surprise the teens this morning with a trivia, and I brought Junior Mints in, and I was very heartbroken at how little the teens like Junior Mints. Junior Mint is a classic candy. How many like Junior Mints? Remember when they used to melt, and you could lick them off the board after the box, after it was all done? None of the teens, except like five of them, like Junior Mints. What's wrong with this generation? Come on, help me now with that, right? Junior Mints are awesome. But anyway, I digress. All right. I, uh, I say all that to say this. I, I will watch it after church tonight, and I always enjoy it. I'll, 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 I'll take in the football game, and I won't watch the halftime show. 
I don't really care who wins tonight. I'm, not, I'm a college football guy, you know that. I'll, but I'll just enjoy football, so I'll watch the football game, and I'll endure Robbie's text every five minutes as he texts me all night long during the game, and I'll respond accordingly, and we have a good time, Robbie, don't we, texting during football games. But when it's all said and done, I, and I'm not against the Super Bowl, you know that. I, I enjoy it. I, I am concerned when churches cancel church for the Super Bowl. That concerns me a little bit, you know. I think there are good reasons to cancel for church every once in a while, but I don't think the Super Bowl is one of them. I do think we forget sometimes that many of those athletes didn't kneel at the flag just a few years ago, including Travis Kelsey himself. He knelt at the flag, dishonored our veterans, you know, and we forget things like that. And most of the athletes that will take the field today are not exactly role models you want your boys to look up to, you know. So you take all those things into perspective. We understand today that we live in a very unique world. We live in a world that is of the world. We are Christians today, like they say, we are in a canoe in the water, and it's okay to live like that, but it's dangerous when the water gets into the canoe. But what the Super Bowl does for me, what it does, it puts things in perspective, and sometimes it challenges the way I see things, the way I look at things. And the Bible here teaches us, the Apostle Paul here, as he deals with a more mature church at Corinth now, in the first Corinthian letter, he has to address some serious issues, but in the second letter, he begins to deal with a more spiritually mature church. They are growing and, and they're learning some things. And Paul begins to teach them about what they see, what they look at. And let me be the first one to say, obviously I'm not critical of the fact that we live in a, in a carnal, a secular human world. We do. We live in a horizontal plane. Every day we have to go to work and every day we have to deal with this world. I get that. And I'm not downgrading that. And I love the world, by the way. I love the creation that God's given to us. I love meeting people and I love the world in which we live. I love my brothers and sisters and most, some of my brothers and sisters in America. But anyway, um, not the left lane drivers, but I love the rest of them. But not the left lane drivers, but the rest of my love. But, but as, we, as we think about it, though, sometimes we as Christians need to just be reminded about what really matters in the whole grand scheme of things. Sea level. You see, I did a play on the words there. That is not a mistake or an accident. We know that sea level, S-E-A, sea level. My wife and I went on a tour of Missouri on our 25th anniversary and discovered that Missouri officially has one mountain. I did not know that. You have to at least be 1,000 feet high to be considered a mountain. And we do have one. It's in southeast Missouri. My wife and I stood on that mountain that is at 1,032 feet. Don't quote me on that. I think it's somewhere around there. But sea level, who knows? You go, Jeff City, I think, is around 300 feet above sea level. But you go to Florida, 15, 20, it's not 300 feet, brother Rick? 500 feet. All right, Jeff City, we're, we're mountainous. I, I hope we start skiing soon. There's a surveyor. He corrects me on that. Actually, there's parts of Jeff City that might be 300 feet because it's such a hilly city. I don't know. But anyway, um, uh, Florida has cities that are 30 feet above sea level. Then you go to Colorado and you see thousands and thousands of feet above sea level, right? But today I want to talk about a different thing. It's sea level, S-E-E level. And, and I know many of you uh, have to begrudge this because you get tired of my snorkeling illustrations. But uh, this is one of my best friends on the planet here. It's a snorkel mask and the snorkel. And Oh, I can taste the salt water still. I don't know. Okay, man. I took it with me. Man. And uh, you put this mask on. And one of the things I love to do, my, my nose sounds funny. I mean, my voice sounds funny, doesn't it? It's like, hi, how are you? All right. But one of the things I always love to do when I get in the water with a mask is this. I'll, I'll, I'll go into the water, and I'll, I'll, I'll literally squat down towards this level. I do this just for fun. And I, I, was, I look up at the sky, and I see what's up there. And then I look down into the water, and I see what's down there. And I'm amazed at the difference. Just that level makes. Above you have the, the sky and you have the clouds and you have birds. And, and as I look towards shore, I see people and I see trees and I see cars and I see buildings. 
But just by looking down, all of a sudden I see a totally different world, a totally different perspective, a totally different community of, of life. There's fish, there's stingrays, there's sea turtles, there's sharks. I've been in the water with sharks numerous times, and, and just it's fascinating. And, and we got a few pictures uh, of, of what you see when you go underneath water. I, I sometimes grieve for my American brothers and sisters when they, when they go to the Bahamas or go to places like that. They sit in the beaches or the pools all the time. I'm like, they have chlorine, chlorinated pools in America. Why would you not go enjoy the beautiful waters of the ocean? We have some of those pictures ready? Oh, they're up there. I'm sorry. I'm looking up here. All right, so that is, that's Rihanna. I, I, she doesn't know I'm doing this. So that's Rihanna with some conch shells posing. See the mask and kind of stuff. All right, next one. Uh, there's Grant holding a starfish. And uh, next one, there's me seeing a stingray in the water. And I think we have one or two more. Then there's a sea turtle. I got to be about four feet away from that guy. He wouldn't let me touch them. They're pretty fast, but much faster swimmers than me. I know I look like a whale in the water, but they're faster. But anyway, and, uh, and so you see a different world there. You see a different perspective. Everything's different because of that. It's amazing how just one movement of the eyeballs, a, a direction upward, you see something different than a direction downward, and then right in the middle, you see that, that water line there. As Christians today, we must be reminded that there is an eternal, eternal view that we should glance at from time to time. In fact, maybe that's the problem. We're only glancing at it when we should look at it a lot more. I had this message all prepared and planned and was looking forward to preaching. And this morning, my friend in the Bahamas, Brother Norris Bain, one of my heroes, he's a dear friend of mine. He's the one we're going to go see in April. And he texted me. He said, Brother Randy, pray for me. I'm preaching on hell this morning. And he texted me and said, please pray that I get my tears back. He goes, I've lost tears over that which is eternal. He literally was texting me that this morning. I thought, wow, Lord, you got a sense of humor. I'm preaching on this very thought today. And I began to think about when I first got saved almost 30 years ago how churches many times would have to replace the hardwoods and their altars and the carpet because people would weep and cry, literally weep and cry over the, the temporal state realizing there's a much more valuable eternal state. And as you look at the context here, the Bible tells us, he reminds us that though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. I'm 48, I'm a year and a half removed from 50 years old. And at 48, I understand I cannot do the things I could do at 25 and 30 years old. Still doing cartwheels, walking on my hands, but a lot of the athletic moves I used to make are not quite there. The body begins to break down, and my outward man is breaking down. And I watch these teenagers do things online. Sometimes I'm sitting around, my, me and Brother Judah were sitting watching the game. We're like, remember when we used to do that? You know, we kind of joke about that stuff. And, uh, you know, my days of dunking are gone, and your body is wearing down. But listen, the inward man is renewed every day. Spiritually speaking, I'm not getting older. I'm getting much, much younger. I'm getting so much younger that I'm going to end up living in an eternal state someday with God. Everlasting, eternal state. My spiritual and soul are going to be united with a glorified body that will never have pain and ache. We've talked a lot about our loved ones that we've lost. We've lost sisters and aunts and grandparents and, and, and family members and, and parents even and, and loved ones in the last year or so. Uh, it seems like it's more so now we've seen that and losing this missionary. But all those, all those ale, sick, cancerous, uh, diseased bodies are not sick anymore. They're, they're healthier as they've ever been in the history of their life. I mean, better than even when they're in their prime shape on earth and they have that glorified body and they, they're, they're walking on the streets of gold and they're worshiping Jesus and they're in heaven forever and we're going to be there someday. Yet, however, if on this earth, if we would start to say, wait a minute, let's not just glance at that which is eternal, but rather start looking at it, meditating, and viewing it more regularly, we might realize there's still a lot of work to do. There's still a lot of differences to make in this world. Today, I want you to look at a couple of comparisons, and I'll be done. Look at number one. Look at that which is perishing versus that which is renewed. Look at that which is perishing versus that which is renewed. 
All right, look at there. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. The Bible says this. The Bible says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inner man is renewed day by day. There is a part of us, there's a part of this world that is consistently, constantly perishing. As soon as you drive a brand new car off the car lot, boy, you love that new car and it's got new tires. And then it's not long before you start to have problems. And several years later, all of a sudden this breaks down and that breaks down. And your carpet gets dirty at your house and you have to replace the floor and a window breaks. Everything is perishing. Cars are perishing. Our animals, our pets, they get older. This world is full of perishables. However, God is telling us that in the spiritual realm, there's a renewal all the time. Listen, when a body starts to break down, your spirit can continue to gather strength and getting stronger and, and gain, gain ground and gain momentum because that which is eternal is being renewed all the time. If you're saved and born again today, it doesn't matter what, what age you are today, you are being renewed every single day. God is giving us a spiritual rebirth and a spiritual growth that is so beautiful and nothing can stop that from growth. Nothing can stop that from living. Nothing can stop that from the eternal. It's through the blood they just sang about because of the blood of Jesus, because of salvation, because of grace, because of mercy, because of hope, because of all these incredible things and because of God, Jesus Christ himself, we are being renewed all the time as saved people. Our bank accounts are perishing. Our cars are perishing. The trophies and awards they'll give out tonight will be perishing. A hundred years from now, every single person that sits in that stadium will spend eternity somewhere. Every single person that sits in that stadium, from the man who can afford a $50,000 ticket to the man who sits on his couch at home tonight, barely can afford cable to watch the TV, a hundred years from now, every single person that is alive on this planet, 100 years from now, will be in eternity somewhere. They will come face to face with that which is eternal. Listen, what I'm saying today, church, is this. All of us, We'll come face to face with that which is eternal someday. It's better to do it sooner than later. I want you to take a quick detour and take, take your Bible and turn to Mark chapter 8 briefly with me. And I'm going to spend a little bit more time on tonight's message on that. And I promise you tonight, because it's the Super Bowl, I'll preach only 20 minutes. I mean, I know I usually preach 45 minutes an hour, but I only preach 20 minutes tonight. A lot of my preacher friends will be. They're a bunch of hypocrites, but your pastor's consistent. Can I get an amen right there? All right. But look at me in Mark chapter 8. This is an interesting story, and I never understood it for the longest time. And the Bible teaches us about how Jesus heals somebody here. Look at verse 22, and he cometh to Bethsaida. We're going to go back to 2 Corinthians 4. And they bring him a blind man unto him and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit in his eyes, look at this, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw odd. And he looked up and said, look at the statement he makes. Watch what the man says. Right? I see men as what? I see men as what? If he was a blind man, I wonder what he, how he knew what a tree looked like, right? That's, that's, a whole, that's the first question I had. But he says, I see men as what? Trees walking. But then again, it hit me. Maybe as a blind man, he's walked into a few trees in his life. All right, look at verse 25. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, either go into the town or tell it to any in the town. For years I had a hard time understanding that because I know Jesus did not make a mistake. If Jesus heals something or fixes something, he does it right the first time. But I believe Jesus is teaching us a powerful truth that even though Jesus touches us at times, we don't take the extra step to see the eternal clearly. Now I know we live in a crazy generation now where people actually put the value of trees over the value of a baby. Let me just go ahead and say that right now. That's warped thinking. That is immoral thinking. It's warped. 
It's wrong and it's wicked. There's no animal that's more valuable than a baby. And that needs to be said. We live in a sick world where people will put a valuable a tree value over the life of an unborn baby. And yet, trees are a blessing. I love trees. Trees are a blessing. They help us breathe. I thank God for trees. But you, listen, listen to me. When, when, you, when you see something as non-valuable, it affects the way you'll treat them or respect them. And so the blind man says, I see men as trees walking. And many times today, in this world today, we are so consumed with that which is temporal, maybe we just look out and see a bunch of men as trees walking. And sometimes when we get that second touch from Jesus Christ, a touch we desire, a touch of which we get honest with, like my friend this morning from the Bahamas texted me saying, may God give me tears again. And we begin to see things through an eternal view. And we look down instead of looking up. We're not looking and seeing that which we're used to seeing all the time, the trees and the sunshine and the clouds. But now we're looking underneath. We're seeing, we're peeling back the curtain. And we're seeing that there's people that have souls and people that are going to spend eternity forever somewhere. All of a sudden it changes the way we focus and think on things. The church planning conference, Brother Street, Brother Coons. Wow, to give all that money to help plant churches in the United States of America. That's an eternal activity. Missions Jubilee, that's eternal activity. The, the, the basketball clubs we have on Saturdays, those are eternal activities. Yes, we use physical things to do it. Uh, church services, we're trying to get people to realize there's an eternal activity. Listen to me, someday, someday I will stand for God before God because of how much time I wasted in the temporal. But if I can minimize that by realizing how significant that which is eternal, that which is renewed over that which is temporal and perishing, may God help me see the difference in those two values today. So the blind man says, I see men as trees walking, and he says, that's, that's viewed as perishing, now I see renewed. Now take your Bibles and go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <coughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We live so much for the temporal. And I get it. We have to. I know we have to live for, I know we have to work. We have to support our families. We have to have houses. We have to have all those things. But church, I just want to challenge you today not to forget the eternal. Tonight when it's all said and done, half the stadium will leave happy, half the stadium will leave sad. One team will celebrate and the colors of their confetti will fall from the rafters. And they'll pass out trophies and they'll pass out awards. And, and the, t- the fans of that team will be excited and the fans that seem lost will be disappointed. But 10 years from now, it won't matter. 15 years from now, it's not going to matter. In fact, 15 years from now, I doubt any of the players that are on the field will even be playing anymore because their bodies are perishing. Their bodies are breaking down. They won't even be throwing a football anymore, wearing a helmet or pads. They'll be sitting behind a desk somewhere, reliving the glory days because we have so much. We have embedded our roots and our life and our whole ideology into that which is temporal. And for us to have to rip that out of the temporal sometimes and put some things in that which is eternal, it's a difficult task. It's a challenging task. It can be daunting at times. But may I say to you today, a walk with Jesus Christ and beginning to see that which is eternal through different lens. This is not the snorkel. This is the snorkel mask I use in the water. But this is the mask I must put on to say, wait a minute, I start to see things differently today. There is an eternal realm, eternal realm that's very lonely and empty today because so many live in that which is temporal. I want you to notice number two real quick, and I won't be much longer. (laughs) Number two, there's there's, there's there's a comparison of light versus weight. Look there in verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. <coughs> Tonight, athletes that are paid millions of dollars to perform and compete that don't even know our names, 
will be cheered for and lauded for and pictures and posted and da-da-da-da-da. And yet, a saint like Jack Baskin silently passed away this past Friday and most of the world doesn't even know. But the light affliction he carried all these years. And by the way, I love Paul's consistency here. Notice how he says light affliction. Remember Jesus says, hey, my burden is what? He uses that word light, easy light. If you yoke up with Jesus, the affliction is light. But there's an, there's an eternal weight of glory. On the other side, when you see things from that eternal realm, MVPs and trophies and Super Bowl championships mean absolutely nothing in heaven. Nothing. Michael Jordan can polish off his six championship trophies and lay them out before God, and God's going to yawn at them. And God's going to say, I created you. I gave you the athletic gifts, and you never talked about me. I met a man in the Bahamas a few weeks ago that personally witnessed to some of the greatest NBA athletes in our last 20 or 30 years. He started naming them, naming them, naming them. He actually was in elevators with them, point blank asked them if they were saved, and he said, it's so tragic how these guys respond. They don't need Jesus because they got everything. They've got houses. They've got yachts. They've got trophies. They've got championships. They've got shoe deals. They've got all that money. And yet even Tom Brady himself said on 60 Minutes one time, he said, I've reached the pinnacle of success in life. I've won numerous Super Bowls, and yet I feel empty inside. Because you can be loaded up with temporal houses and temporal cars and temporal things and temporal everything, temporal this, temporal that. And yet if you never take a glimpse into that which is eternal, if you never begin to comprehend or wrap your mind around that which is eternal, you're not living really. Because eternal is far weightier, far more valuable, far more importance, far more everything than that which is temporal today. Eternal versus temporal. Number one, you have the perishing versus the renewed. Number two, you have light versus weight. Number three, you have temporal versus eternal. This is the game changer right here. I want you to see how Paul words this, the wisdom of Paul led by the Spirit of God. Look at verse 18. While we, who's we? Who's we? Go ahead, it's not, it's not a trick question, I promise you. While we, who's we? It's us, Christians, right? He doesn't expect the world to understand this. All these lost people and all these lost celebrities that are sitting in the stands tonight, he, Paul, God doesn't expect them to understand what we're about to read right now. And listen, for many years of my life, I did not understand this. But Jesus made the difference. Look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Huh. Which are the things which are not seen. Stop, stop. So if you were to get, if we all got on a plane today and we flew to the Bahamas, how many of you would like all of us to leave today to go to the Bahamas together as a big church family? Wouldn't that be awesome? And when you stood on the shores of the Bahamas and you saw the water, you'd say, wow, that water is beautiful. But you will never understand or comprehend what is beneath the surface of that water until you take that plunge and get in there, do a little work, look funny and odd. Do we have the picture of either Rain or Grant up there? Put that up there real quickly. I mean, how many of you are going to go out to eat this afternoon and see somebody sitting at a restaurant wearing this while they're eating? I mean... I don't know if we get that picture back up, but I mean, when you're walking around the beaches, you look weird. You just, I mean, this is a weird look. I look like an alien, right? I mean, you know, you even sound like it. I mean, that's, that's how you breathe when you're in the water. And you breathe, when you snorkel as many hours as I do, it, it actually affects your lung capacity. You breathe better by doing that, right? It's amazing. But you look different. You're doing things different. And a lot of times I've learned this. It's lonely out there. Hundreds are sitting on the shores because they watched Jaws as a kid and they're scared of sharks. <laughs> Propaganda. 
I've been in the water many, many times with sharks, and they are kind creatures misunderstood. Dogs are more dangerous than sharks. Mothers-in-law are way more dangerous than sharks. You have a greater chance of getting killed by a candy machine than you do by a shark. That's a true stat, Beto. Look it up. I looked it up. There's, sharks are wonderful, lovable creatures. You say, well, they got teeth. You have teeth, too. I have teeth, too. I've never been hurt by a shark, and I've been in the water with them many, many times. Stingrays and lionfish and beautiful creatures. It's risky. People don't understand. I love walking into the shores when I'm in the Bahamas because these Americans are like, oh, you're, you're like the only person I've seen out in the water today. What'd you see out there? How much time you got? You see that lady right there in the water? Yeah. There's a barracuda swimming five feet from her right now. I just saw it. Are you serious? Should we tell her? No. And then a few minutes later, <coughs> she jumps and starts swimming away because she saw a barracuda. I've been with hundreds of barracudas. They're sweet little lovable creatures that need to eat to survive. Nobody gets mad at you because you eat a barbecue chicken wing tonight. Help me now. But you get out of your comfort zone and you look like that. And look at him. You can hardly even tell who he is. You become a different person. But you get addicted. It changes the way you look at things. It changes the way you feel about things. Christians that start to see the eternal sometimes are criticized by Christians which are obsessed with the temporal. When Jesus came, he was completely 100% eternal, and the Pharisees, which were so temporal, didn't like him very much, did they? Even his beloved disciples didn't understand him until they got filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Christians that aren't in their Bibles every day will begin to be bought out by the temporal. Christians all over America got so excited because Taylor Swift announced a new album coming out. When you start to focus on the eternal, that does nothing for you. There's a new song on there that is of the devil. Look it up. I researched it. I pray for her to get saved. I'm not attacking Taylor Swift. She was a sweet young girl at one time, but she's been bought. Now she performs for the masses, and she lives in such a wicked, wicked world. And, and Christians idolize her. How? How could born-again Christians idolize a pro-choice, pro-Biden, pro-liberal, anti-Israel singer like that? I don't see anything wrong with it. You're living in the temporal. I'm not mad at you. you, you everything's temporal to you. I'm not mad at you. It's just fact. I'm not, oh, he's judging us. I'm not judging. I'm showing you what the Bible says. You're either eternal or temporal. I don't see what's wrong with that. You live in the temporal. Christians say that all the time. I don't see what's wrong with that. You're living in the temporal. I get it. When you start to get in the eternal, instead of asking what's wrong with it, you start saying, what can I do to please you even more, God? What can I do to make you more proud of me? What can I do to be more holy? Seems like Christians there are always finding a way to unholy themselves. We want to be less holy than we were before. And we, we hate people who promote holiness. And we criticize people. You know who criticizes me more than anybody else? Not lost people. Lost people respect me. Christians criticize me. Why? I think I'm a nice guy. I ain't been mean to nobody. It's the battle of the eternal and temporal. But you know what? Jesus never let it bother him. Because Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. I'm shedding my blood. I'm going to live again three days later. Someday they'll understand. But you've got to put this on. Or rather, you've got to put this on. And see that which is eternal versus that which is temporal. You can enjoy the game tonight. I will. We've got some 
get together. We've got some friends coming over. We're going to have a good time tonight. I, I enjoy it. I'm going to watch the game, and I like it because I'm not for any team. I, I no pressure on me. I could just, my team's been stinking for four years now, so I've actually had an easy four years. I just sit back, relax, and enjoy football, the game I love, and I play it all my life. And I have healthy snacks tonight for the most part. And I'll enjoy it, maybe even see a few funny commercials. I ain't watching the halftime show. Why can't they have a high school marching band instead of all these? What? I would rather see a high school marching band get out there and play for 20 minutes. Can I get an amen right there? There's nothing like a band, you know, a high school marching band. Wouldn't that be cool? Enjoy the game. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you go to work, realize that every single person you come in contact with, every single person you see, there's an eternal angle to it. This is not a message to scold anybody, but it's just a reminder. It's a gentle nudge by your pastor who needed it himself and the Holy Spirit to tell us, hey, look, this world has always been eternal versus temporal. Well, the devil does not want the Christian to think about the eternal. Keep, hey, keep living for temporal. Man, I'm not against you making money and having beautiful homes. and have, I'm not against that, all that. I'm not saying that at all. But make sure you still are in the eternal realm. I can't wait to become a millionaire. Me and God got a deal. I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's going to happen someday. So, well, what if it doesn't happen? Well, you're, then I'll, I'll be a millionaire in heaven. Amen. I mean, what are you saying? I'm, I'm not against those things, but listen, stay balanced. Paul said, and I'm done with this. Look at this. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. You see, you can't see the waters, what's in the waters just by standing on the shore. You got to get in. You got to get in. And when you get in, all of a sudden you begin to see that which is eternal. And it affects you as a dad, as a mom, as a husband, as a wife, as a teenager, as a kid. And can I be honest with you? It makes your life actually better. It makes your life better. Church, let's make sure we're on that right sea level. Heads about eyes are closed. Thank you for listening so well.
Because 